The Advice Show is sponsored by Invesco. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco. Let's advance together. Capital at risk. Hello and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Nicola Blackburn, your host and a reporter at New Model Advisor. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Dan Martin, who is a director and independent financial advisor at Warwickshire-based firm MDM Wealth. And congratulations are also in order because last week Dan was named as one of New Model Advisor's 35 Next Generation Advisors for 2021, which celebrates the very best young planners who are making their mark in the industry. Um, So Dan, thank you very much for coming on and how are you doing? Firstly, thank you, Nicola. Uh, Thank you, New Model Advisor, for giving me the um, privilege of being in the top 35. That's really amazing. Uh, But yeah, thanks for inviting me on. I'm very well. How are you? Really, really well, thank you. So MDM is a family firm. Um, I'm curious, what was it like, you know, growing up among that business? Was was your dad sort of at the dinner table talking about investment propositions that you were hearing every night? What what was it like? Um, no, not that I can recall. Although money is, um, and I guess financial literacy and financial planning has always been. I guess, a a key part of discussions. But I don't think um, Dad was pretty good at not bringing that sort of stuff home, um, which was, you know, good for for childhood. The last thing I wanted to hear thinking about it now was anything to do with an investment proposition. Um, But I guess whenever key financial decisions or little things along the way came up, um, it was obviously instilled within us. Um, I mean, we all had first jobs. I was a Paperboy at 13. Um, I recall once spending all of my Christmas money on a North Face jacket, which I've had to had to use this weekend. So it does it, it it I get its value from it. But at the time, I think I spent you know Christmas money like 200 pounds in the January sales on this big Arctic coat, which we don't actually need that often here in the UK. Um, but sort of March came around, and a friend invited me to go away on a trip. Uh, with their parents I needed some money so I went having spent all my Christmas money and asked my dad could I could I go could I borrow the money and he said no (laughs) which to some people may seem pretty pretty mean but when I reflect on it now it was I'm I'm really grateful he did that because I had the option and the choice you know spend it all now or save a little bit for the future see what happens and I guess I learned a really important lesson quite early on there we go. Yeah, a lot of kind of financial discipline from a young age. Um, <laughs> great stuff. And so, and then, so yeah, from I guess growing up in that environment, what were kind of the moments that made you, yeah, realize you liked financial planning? Um, so there was no initial sort of um, view for me to go into financial advice, financial planning at all. Dad was originally um, part of another business, one of twenty, one of um, four partners, uh, another advice business. Um, and that's what he sort of built up between them. Um, but then I didn't really have any sort of direction after sixth form. I was playing rugby, you know, um, 
I'd done science subjects and sport and exercise science was muttered, but I just wasn't feeling it at all. And I didn't want to commit to something where there was no prospects after. So I took a gap year, um, did a did a business A level to sort of top me up. Asked dad what he did as a day to day. Obviously, I've you know seen from a family perspective what it's given to our family and and the career he's had with it, um, and always discussed you know going out and seeing clients and that side of it really really appealed to me. I knew I didn't want to just I don't want to sit just behind a computer all day. So going out, speaking to people, helping people really appealed to me. So there was a I guess a blend of of good things there. And the second thing as well, the the facts are clear, which is good prospect for any young person wanting to explore a career in financial planning is that the prospects are amazing. You know, there's not that many people going into it. Um just for reasons unknown to be honest compared to accountancy or investment management and all these other things you could explore um so that appealed to me as well you know what i wanted to achieve personally so sat down and said what's the sort of next steps and i was very fortunate um to get a sort of place at coventry university where they ran a financial finance and investment degree which had some exposure to the professional exams alongside it so I went off, did that for three years. Um, yeah, got got myself a first and just really enjoyed it and, and kind of planned to go into the industry um, through that route. Yeah, it's great to hear that, you know, you mentioned your university course and it had exposure to the profession because I think um, we've certainly heard from advisors who have said, you know, um, that they worry that people just aren't even aware that it's out there as a as a role that they can have you know you know sort of university age students who are interested in finance and and investing so it's um yeah good stuff good to hear um well dan you've certainly gone kind of up and beyond um financial services um i'd love to talk a bit about your platform dan talks money now um which provides accessible financial education for gen zers um I'm I'm curious what was what did you notice was missing in the financial advice market that kind of led you to start these platforms? Um I guess if you just really simply look at who's providing the financial educational content and without um meaning any offense to anybody look at the color of people's hair um, and the amount of wrinkles that some people have got it's genuinely nothing more than a generational difference and it just felt out of touch so even with me learning and who I was looking up to everybody was 20 30 years older if not more 40 years older and so translating it back to myself and the friends around me it, it just becomes quite unrelatable because you've not grown up with the same issues or the same problems um, equally the same advantages and the things that we've got better that maybe our parents, grandparents didn't have. So I just felt there was, you know, a, quite a big disconnect with actually the age as such um, of of people producing uh, the majority of the content. And there are pre- people our age, my age, you know, uh, Gen Zers, um, younger millennials producing financial content. But I just, um, <laughs> putting it politely, I thought some of it was just complete misinformation and ultimately long-term really bad for some people. It was kind of getting the clicks, getting the views. That's great. Um, but I wanted something different that was just based off of 
fact of evidence uh whether or not it got any clicks or views it, it doesn't really matter to me i'd rather have a thousand people who follow understand the principles than have a hundred thousand that's that's built upon essentially i guess lies and short-termism uh those sorts of principles um i did wonder as well if you know um in your life and presumably you were, you were surrounded by friends who are still learning about investing and about their financial responsibilities you know whether you or, or people around you had any experiences that made you go oh gosh there's no information that's helpful out there about these specific issues that we're facing you know i need to produce that content so were there any sort of experiences in your own life that that motivated it as well not not personally no because i'd already learned enough before i even started my investment journey but i think that's probably one of the main sort of um, reasons why I started in the first place because I've, as an individual, I felt like I've benefited and it's had such a profound effect on me and my life to know this, that it really, I don't know, sort of um, sparked me to, to want to share it and just say, everybody should know this at the minimum everybody should understand that just the basics of how the economy works why investments work the way they do what the hell even is the stock market and you know um why do we see certain headlines that we see i mean this weekend has been prime candidate for it um you know for sure yeah headlines like bloodbath on friday and all these sorts of things so it was just understanding and having all that context before I even started my own investment journey that I wanted to go, well, if I'm if I'm this prepared, then at the minimum other people should be given some form of, you know, just a just a start at this. Um, otherwise, you know, where do they turn and how do they how do they go about learning this? Because I know there's financial curriculums now in school and that's fantastic and they're getting there, but to be honest, it, it it's not important when you're 15, 16. It has no context in your life. It only really matters when you get that first paycheck and you've got the decisions. Do I spend? Do I save? Do I invest? Do I get in debt? Mm-hmm. And you have those trade-offs to make that, that it becomes really, really important. So having something I, I you know, at the right time advice or at the right time education um, is, is, I guess, what, what sparked me because of the personal effect it had on had on me i'm sorry i don't have any examples as such but i've I've got plenty now from you know friends who <laughs> have invested in highly volatile things and you know it's not not gone to plan um yeah i'm, I'm sure that's pretty prevalent no that's that's really interesting and it's um it, it it's funny like you know i don't know wasn't really sure why we we weren't taught this stuff in schools and as you say it's getting better but maybe that's part of it what you said about how there's just not that interest from 15 year olds and 16 year olds they sort of don't quite understand that imminently it will become something that they do need to know about um yeah yeah. I I just don't think there's enough context in their lives to actually make it meaningful and so it's hard for a young person to engage with something that it's just not on their radar at the moment it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to them um i guess it would have more yeah. meaning if uh you know if you're slightly older and you've a- you've actually got some savings behind you um or depending on your family situation there will be anomalies where certain 
certain kids want to learn more because of their circumstances but for the vast majority you know it's what's happening with your favorite football team at the weekend or what's the new you know fortnight game being released or something like that absolutely that will that will no doubt cost several hundred pounds um <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah absolutely right Which doesn't absolutely help the right. case no <laughs> Um, Dan, so from the from the young people that you have kind of interacted with since you've had these platforms, what are what is sort of one thing that you've recognised? Okay, young people are quite good at this; they do have knowledge about this. And what's one thing that you think? Okay, young people really need some more education about this. Okay, well, I've I've got a couple, not just one. The first mm-hmm. is um, that money is evil. I think is one of the biggest ones, um, and. It's so, so damaging to have the mindset that money is evil, like it is a thing, when it is just simply a medium for exchange. It's it's immoral. It doesn't care, you know, um, about you, quite frankly. It's just an object. Um, and therefore, that can be really, really damaging for young people. But uh, it's hard not to side with <laughs> that, uh, you know, that thought and that emotion. Um, certainly, when I was younger, I probably thought about it that it was a couple of times um, because what you get shown from media outlets and certainly in pop culture, um, particularly, you know, you're talking about, I was at school during the financial crisis and when you have all of that around you, it's hard not to go, well, money's, you know, money is the root of all evil. Um, It's damaging because that prevents people from doing good things with their money, you know, investing it right, insuring themselves, building up savings um, because they just they use it as an excuse then to to spend because if they spend it, it's not in their lives anymore and they don't have to look after it or even talk about it. Um, So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that people carry this around where you know, money's like a brick. You give a brick to a good person, they they build hospitals, they build schools. You give it to a bad person, they'll go and um, smash a window with it. And I think understanding that is is vitally important. Um, that then transpires, I guess, into the second point, which is people have then become too short-termist and, you know, the whole YOLO culture. Um, we live in the social media age where... We only show the best parts of our lives to each other. And that compounds very, very quickly to, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses situation so that when a young person does go into work, it's right, I need to get, you know, I need to get these trainers. I need to drive this car. I need to be, you know, Mm -hmm. living here. I need to be going out here, there and everywhere um, and show people I'm doing it. Um, So Mm -hmm. that, that sort of leads leads to that and then i guess the final thing is people then try and make up for it to keep up with the lifestyle you know people turn to the higher risk strategies so taking too much risk is massive um and and so prevalent now with i guess cryptocurrencies uh, and you know how much young people talk about them as, as being an investment and all these sorts of things um when you know, from a volatility perspective and an investment perspective from an informed position, they're akin to, to gambling or going down the casino and, and going on red or black um, for the short term, at least. You know, I'm all, I'm, all for, mm. I'm all for people hedging and assets long term once you know what you're doing and 
you've got some understanding of what you're doing and it's a I guess a, an informed risk that you're taking but I think you know taking too much risk too early on when actually you need to be setting yourself a solid foundation is is um you know a, a poor money habit that that can you know be set up in your early 20s and continue until I guess it's too late mm-hmm. for people to then switch it around when they're you know mid 40s early 50s going ah now I need to contribute to my pension and make it up Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever, from digesting market and economic data to probing new trends and ideas. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. With a proven past and an eye on the future, we bring the latest thought-provoking investment analysis and diverse ideas directly to professional investors. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco, let's advance together. Capital at risk. And actually, Dan, um, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be great to come back as well to the kind of the the point of what what you think you know young people are actually quite okay at when it comes to their money. But just on that on that point, um, how how would you hypothetically uh, you know approach a young person who maybe contacted you through um, through your platforms and said you know I'm really into um, I'm really into Dogecoin and. <laughs> I want to invest this much in it. Um, you know, the returns look great. Should I do it? How how do you how do you respond to that kind of investor that's completely sort of sold on, you know, crypto or or an investment that maybe the, where the amount they want to invest is not quite in their best interests? Um, that's a really good question and quite difficult to answer for a couple of reasons. Number one, if I get an inquiry or a message like that through my platform, I pretty much simply say that due to my regulatory position, I can't give any advice as such, uh, which makes it difficult. It does to engage with those types of questions. Um, but what I'll attempt to do is, is, um, have a couple of sources to point them towards, um, a couple of other other podcasts and people who are doing amazing work um so you know uh maven money podcast with andy hart pete matthews meaningful money platform so there's a couple of really good guys doing some brilliant stuff already in the industry um just to learn the principles of i guess the risk return trade-offs particularly when it comes to investments is yes you may make a thousand percent but also you could lose all of it um, all the way down to cash, which we know cash is great short term and for the next, you know, five years is it's brilliant. But after that, you need to be, you know, buying, um, appreciating assets. So I guess principally, it's hard to jump to that in my mind without looking at uh, an individual circumstances and, and going what you've got, what, you know, what circumstances are you in? What have you got coming in? What have you got going out? So I think this is where, you could get down the rabbit hole of um, the advice gap and and how much, you know, education and advice is needed um, in this area because that's such a difficult question to just say, hey, Dan, I'm thinking of investing in this. What do I do? Um, Without looking at that person's life. I don't think you can give any investment advice to anybody regardless of age or circumstance before understanding their circumstances um, you can give an you can give an opinion you can give an ob- objective view of where a certain asset may sit on a risk return profile but beyond that very difficult 
can we come back to the uh, the point of, you know, is there something that perhaps it surprised you, perhaps it didn't, but something that young people tend to be quite good at uh, that you've seen when it comes to managing their money or, 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 or kind of elements of it that they're educated about? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Gen- genuinely nothing that springs to mind. Um, I guess because I haven't engaged in... in you know, I've engaged in enough conversations, but not thousands about what's working. Because to me, in any system, if 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 things are working for that individual when it comes to money, that that's great. You don't really need to touch things that are working. If you know, kind of the saying, if it's not broken, you know, um, don't try and fix it. Um, so I, I I don't really have an answer for you, Nicola, to be honest. And I. I'm, I hope that's um, I hope that's okay. Whether you want to take that out of the uh, the actual, um, yeah, the actual podcast, uh, no, let me know. That's absolutely fine. I mean, more room for <laughs> more room for financial education, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I, I'm sure I'm sure there is. I'm sure young people have certainly got the tools, more so to you know certainly from open banking and what you can do with the, the, the different banking apps and budgeting apps, you, you've got more tools available to your disposal. Whether that makes habits any better, um, I'm unsure. You know, certainly when you look at uh, the advent of buy now, pay later, it, you know, when you put it in the mm. context of, yes, we're improving certain things, but in other areas, we're making it just as difficult. So, yeah, really difficult question to answer, and I, I do apologise that I haven't got more on that. <laughs> no, 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 of course, it, it was a difficult question. Um, another one, uh, Dan, is so obviously through your platform, you've pinpointed a, one way that financial education can be just made really accessible for young people. Um, I think <laughs> I think they're certainly more likely to watch your videos than they are to read a, you know, FCA warning published about high-risk investments. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, what I mean, do you have any other thoughts about what needs to happen to make young people more financially educated? You've mentioned more education in schools. Um, there's clearly a, a market for platforms like yours on social media. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a social problem, and what I mean by that is I think it's so fundamental to everybody's lives like in our society you cannot get away from it unless you are genuinely homeless or, or living in a forest somewhere money is essential to the life we know and i think therefore it falls on the shoulders of the informed certainly myself and people who work in the industry number one to put out as much content that is good um it doesn't have to be mass amounts but just you know really really good factual information i think it falls on our shoulders to at the minimum do that um and then it falls on again the informed people who learn from that as parents and grandparents to equally try and teach their children and their grandchildren as best as they can just the really fundamental principles of personal finance and and not keep it to themselves um i guess that's the the last thing is actually wanting to share this information well dan final question best and worst things about working with your family <laughs> that's a brutal <laughs> final question um 
Oh, the best things are just um, that we're a family and therefore, you know, we have a common objective. We, you know, we want to help each other out um, and therefore it's really meaningful, not just in the business lives, but also in our personal lives and everything that means for, you know, our family as a whole and the people that are also as part of the business who we see as as part of, uh, you know, as part of the, the family. So that's the best thing is just being able to share in the, you know, in the positives and help each other when times are a little bit more difficult. I think naturally it's easier to do that when you've got those relationships. Um, and equally the worst things are when things uh, are not going so smoothly because you are emotionally attached to, you know, family, things can get a little bit more heated than the normal, but it more than makes up for it when you have a good relationship. Brilliant. So that's all we have time for today. But thank you very much to everyone for listening. Um, if you want to find Dan and his content, you can find him on TikTok or Instagram at Dan Talks Money. Yeah, if anyone wants to sort of reach out um, as well, I'm on Dinked, uh, LinkedIn as Dan Martin. Um, so you find me on there if anyone's got any career questions. There's a couple of really helpful people when I first started out. So any worries about exams or what route to take or who to reach out to, then yeah, please feel free to drop me a message. Perfect. And if you would like to get in contact with us at New Model Advisor, we're on Twitter at New Model Advisor. Um, or you can reach out to me. I'm nblackburn at citywire.co.uk on email. Thanks very much, everyone. The Advice Show is sponsored by Invesco. Today's professional investors are overloaded with more information than ever. At Invesco, we help professional investors see the possibilities ahead by cutting through the noise to the ideas that matter. Visit Invesco.com to see how. Invesco. Let's advance together. Capital at risk.